Stephanie, we had almost everyone. So thank you very much for uh, heartfelt uh, worship. And thank you for uh, Peter for your emotional and heartfelt uh, prayer. I mean, how can you pray without uh, emotion when you pray about uh, what happened in the uh, residential school? So whenever we think about it, and it's just uh, uh, so hard to just uh, digest it. And so thank you for your prayer. St. Paul quoted Jesus and said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's a very short, simple sentence, but it has so much truth in it. The question is whether we believe it or not, whether we want to live with that principle or not. Do we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive? If we, if we always remember this truth and live accordingly, I think we'll live a blessed life. The secret of good life is in giving. We should discover that. True happiness comes from the lifestyle of giving, not receiving. The question is whether we believe it or not. I mean, that was how Jesus lived. Jesus came to this world to give, to give it all, to give everything he had, including his life. That was the life of Jesus. Jesus emptied himself so that we may have life, life to the fullest. In the passage we read today, St. Paul was making a reference to that. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Generosity, that was a core message of our Lord Jesus Christ. Generosity characterized life of Jesus. Generosity, my friends, is a hallmark of a great person. When you see great people, you will see generosity in them. Generous, generous people are people who love and enjoy giving. They are big people. They don't think about benefits that come from giving. They simply enjoy giving. Somehow they learn this joy. They simply enjoy giving. They enjoy giving more than receiving. I would say it is acquired taste. You know, when I was young, I tried sushi. I hated it. It was so hot, and I don't know why people were eating that. But now I love sushi. 
It's an acquired taste. I mean, joy of giving is almost like acquired taste. When you're younger, you love to receive things. Receive your toys, receive attention, receive love, and you're all uh, focused around receiving. But as you get older, you realize giving is much more joyful, joyable, enjoyable than receiving. So it is an acquired taste, taste of adults, not taste of uh, young children. People who have mature faith, they enjoy giving. The people who have mature life, they enjoy giving rather than receiving. So when we enjoy giving, life becomes much more enjoyable. We feel unhappy and dissatisfied when we try to get more. Think about it. I mean, we are made that way. When you receive, uh, when, you, uh, when you try to get more and more and more, the more you become dissatisfied and unhappy. So as we start to enjoy giving, we change. We become a bigger person. Our heart expands. And when our hearts expand, life becomes bigger. And we experience the abundance of life. So my friends, the size of giving is not proportional to the size of your wallet. Size of giving is proportional to the size of your heart. The bigger heart you have, the more giving you are. The Macedonian church, there was a, it is located in the northern part. And Corinthian church was in the uh, southern part. Southern part was a very rich and affluent. It's like a metropolitan kind of. The northern part was very poor, rural area. But when Paul said, the people in Jerusalem are struggling. They need financial help. Can you help? And the Macedonian church were the first ones who helped out with financial giving. Corinthian church, right, right now Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, but he wanted to give them the message because he wanted to teach them the, uh, the message of giving. And then, uh, because that is the secret of happy life. The Corinthian churches, uh, people, they did not really experience that joy yet. I mean, when we did an uh, uh, offering for the uh, Rose of Sharon, uh, I was quite uh, uh, pleased by the way second generation English-speaking congregation uh, gave. I mean, when I first started uh, English congregation, my agenda was, uh, you know, th th that to help them to be able to give more because in the beginning, they gave really petty money even for the church or for anything else. Uh, but as the time, uh, so I wasn't interested much, uh, much more uh, in uh, how many people attend the service, but how much giving uh, do they? Because that is a secret of life. This time they did much, much more than first generation. I was very uh, pleased. And also I just found out that one of our congregation members, a doctor who gave uh, $20,000, he didn't uh, do it through our church, but through another organization, uh, he gave uh, 20,000. When I, when I heard that, I was very pleased. 
And that's what Paul wanted to teach Corinthian church. I mean, they said, Corinthian people said, oh, we have lots of faith. We have the gift of spirit and we speak in tongues. And, and they, they were really boasting about uh, their gifts and their faith, how faithful we are. And Paul was saying, you say that you are faithful, but show that through your generous giving. So let me read it. Uh, it's a little bit of sarcasm included in that uh, uh, tone, but let me read it for you. Now you... Now as you excel in everything, in other words, you say that you excel uh, in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you. So we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. Our heart can either shrink or expand. What do you want? Heart that is small or heart that is big? I mean, unfortunately, we often live with this wrong assumption. Partly is true and partly it applies to some aspect of our life, but not to all aspects of life. Let me, read, uh, uh, let me read it for you. Uh, getting the maximum result with the minimum sacrifice. Getting the maximum result with the minimum sacrifice. That may apply to some aspect of our lives, but not to all. Think about it, if, that, if you apply that to your marriage, your marriage will not survive. If you apply that to your friendship, that friendship will not survive. I mean, we, that kind of attitude, maximum result with the minimum sacrifice, we call it deal. It sounds like good wisdom, but not always. If we think of life as a deal and think of our relationship as a deal, we'll become small. We'll become calculating. In that way, we never experience the abundance, abundant blessings of God. We never experience, we'll never experience that. We'll always calculate. Oh, you give me this much, I'll give you that much. That kind of calculation. Always, we, our brain works in that way. In, with that kind of brain, you can never experience the abundant blessings of God. That was what disciples had to learn following Jesus. They had to learn what generosity is all about. There were 5,000 people who came to hear Jesus. And they were so hungry. It was late at night. And the disciples were saying, what should we do? Send them to the village so that they can eat and come back. And Jesus challenged the disciples. You feed them. And then as soon as they heard you feed them, their brain, you know, goes calcul in the calculation mode. Okay, each person, oh, this costs this much. We don't have that kind of money. And it's a natural response. I would do that too. And then right there, Jesus fed 
5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And then show them that. The abundance of life is God's gift to you. Abundance of life is God's gift. The disciples learned that, ah, abundance of life is God's gift. How difficult it is to learn this lesson. Abundance of life, my friends, is God's gift. The bigger your heart becomes, the bigger your life will become. The more you give, the more you feel rich and abundant. Don't you feel that? It's strange. You have less money in your wallet, but you feel more rich and more abundant. The stinger you become, the more you feel poor and lacking. When people with a big heart, giving heart, gather together, oh, there's a joy, laughter. Everybody's blessed. Everybody feels abundant. You, you like to be with them because everybody's so abundant and generous. That group, that uh, the gathering will be filled with joy. I kind of uh, miss... Uh, Linda, Ken, and Wayne's uh, father. He was my golf buddy. After golf, we go out for dinner. He's always the first one who goes to pay. And I had to fight. It's embarrassing. In a restaurant, I always had to fight with him to, to pay it. So uh, next time, okay. So I go in there first and give, give my credit card so that he doesn't have to pay. But there's joy and laughter. But when the stingy people, people who are not giving, are gathering together, it's not fun. There will be a lot of conflicts, jealousy, tension, and division. When generous people gather together, there's a blessing. Jesus said the greatest commandment is what? To love. That's greatest com commandment. It's the only commandment. The generosity is the most concrete ways of living out our love for others. So for Christians, generosity is not an option. It's not an option. Let's say you go to buy a car. If they tell you, oh, by the way, tires are option. Would you buy that the car? No. Being a Christian, generosity is not an option. That is something that we must learn to do. Because it is at the core of our belief. It's at the core of our belief system. Generosity. Jesus gave it all. So that we may become abundant. And we follow Jesus. And that is a core message of our belief. 
And that was what God taught Israelites too. That God wanted to really teach the people. When you're generous, you're, you experience blessing. So God wanted to uh, teach the Israelites. That, is, that should be lifestyle. Let me read it for you. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the alien. I'm the Lord your God. I mean, when you do harvest, don't gather up every single crop. You can just leave them. Just chokdangi a little bit, you know, you gather and leave them alone so that other people who cannot afford it, they can uh, get some. That should be our lifestyle. Don't be too greedy. Don't try to take everything for yourselves, even to the last penny. Leave some for those who need them. We don't need to be so petty. We don't need to be so petty. Why? Because God will take care of our needs. God will take care of our needs. We can be generous because we know that and we believe that. God will take care of our needs. We have nothing to worry about. We can be so generous and yet we are okay because God will take care of us. We have that kind of confidence. We have that kind of faith. So generous living comes from faith. It is proportional to your faith. Not only to the size of your heart, but it is proportional to your faith. The more you believe that God will take care of your needs, the more generous we can be. Let me read it for you, what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Yes, we are more of value than lilies of the field or the birds of the air. God will take care of us and God will take care of our needs. Let us not be a victim of scarcity. You are children of God. You are children of God who is abundant and God will provide you with abundance. So generosity not only our heart needs to be expand, needs to expand, but also our faith needs to grow deep. Faith has to be concrete. Like a Corinthian churches, they say, oh, I have lots of faith. Oh, you have a lot of emotion. You have a lot of uh, self-righteousness, but is that really faith? When we have faith, we show that through giving. Generosity comes from the radical faith of leaving your entire life in God's hands. Entire life in God's hands. 
That was the example sh uh, shown by poor widow. He, she needed charity, but she gave her heart. Let me read it for you. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The widow had the radical faith of living her life in God's hands. We have to learn that God will take care of our needs. So when you're poor, don't worry. When you're rich, be thankful. When I was a Chandosa, many months, I didn't have enough money to pay rent. We lived on debt. But often, God provided what I needed. I didn't feel poor at all, even then. We have this ugliest and darkest side within us. That ugliest and darkest side within us, that is greed. Greed. We have to deal with that, the greed within us. Otherwise, we, we can never live a happy life. We can never live a good life with greed. Because from greed, all kinds of evil things and ugly things happen. That problem of greed. St. Paul said this, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the money, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Pierced themselves with many pains. That's what greed does. Pierce us with many pains. Jesus also said, no one can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Simple as that. It's a period. You cannot serve God and wealth together. We cannot get rid of greed, the problem. We cannot get rid of it. It will be always with us. Doesn't matter how much you try. The greed will be always with us and within us. And greed manifests itself most powerfully in our love for money. So if we cannot get rid of it, how do we deal with it? If we cannot get rid of it, how do we deal with it? Remedy is generosity. 
when we live a life of generous giving, we may not get rid of greed, but greed will not be able to act up within us. We may not be able to get rid of our greed, but we can diminish the power of greed to control us when we become generous. When we practice a life of giving away, then greed cannot hold on to you anymore. It loses its power. The more we try to have, the more we'll become a slave to our greed. The more you give, the more you will become free from your greed. So, you see, there are a lot of benefits of giving. It's a hidden blessing. Not many people think of it as a very important uh, blessing. But giving is a blessing. There are many benefits. Of course, we don't think about that. The moment we think about the uh, benefits of giving, that the effect of uh, benefits disappear. We give. Why? Because simply, it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do as a human being. There are people who are less fortunate than us. There are people who are uh, suffering. It is right thing to do, to share what you have with others. We're all shocked by another discovery of many tombs. We cannot just feel bad about it. We have to contribute to the cause, financially, giving. Always you have to translate your emotion into concrete giving. Just feeling bad about it is not good enough. You won't go anywhere. We give because it's the right thing to do. We give because our, uh, the, it depends on the size of the heart. We give because we have faith that God will take care of us. There are many good reasons and also we, by giving, we get free from greed. So a lot of good things in that lifestyle. Let me give uh, briefly about concrete things about giving. First, I said, even though you give because you enjoy giving, right? But don't give just when you feel like it. Don't give just, just when you feel like it. Plan it. Budget it. You make certain income, decide for yourself. This is how much I'm going to live with. And this portion, I'm going to give away. For whatever cause that you believe. Budget it. Secondly, giving should be a discipline. Discipline is not something uh, to do what you don't like to do. Because you, you enjoy it, you believe it, you discipline yourself. Discipline yourself in giving. 
You have a stingy character? Overcome that by giving. I mean, you're a nice person and you're so faithful and all that, but you have a stingy character? Practice it by giving away. Discipline yourself. Make a habit of your life. Make a habit of your life. Thirdly, expand your heart. In other words, increase your giving little by little. Challenge yourself. You know, those guys who are uh, into extreme sports or, you know, climb, uh, rock climbing or the, all kinds of extreme sports, they always challenge, bigger challenge. They're going to attack. In the same way, I gave this much, I'm going to challenge myself to give this more and trust God. God will fill it. God will help me. So always increase by percentage. As you put into concrete practice of your giving, you'll experience the abundance of life. You'll experience the secret of joy and your life will be blessed. Not just financially, but also in your relationship, in your marriage, in everything that you do. You will experience the abundance of life, period. Let us sing together.